Yo, BJ Gador with the Get Some Gains podcast, and today's episode is a special one. It's a collaborative or joint episode with John C. Chansey of the Knowledge Brews Supreme podcast. Check him out also in the show notes. Please listen to his podcast. He's doing great things. He's also a longtime supporter of this show, of all things, the dailybj.com, and he's a gorilla corn, so he should have your respect and trust as well. Both of us are big fans of the new HBO hit show, Winning Time, which is based on the book Showtime by Jeff Perlman, about the Showtime Lakers and the birth of the modern NBA in 1979-1980, so it's kind of a really nostalgic time. Uh, he and I both talk about the the controversies in the show, what we liked, what we didn't like, and what to expect in the next season, so uh, definitely you want to check the show out. There's really no spoilers here because, you know, this is uh, this is historical stuff in some sense. But also, the show, the controversies in the show are some of the stuff they changed. They basically had the show premised to be, this is based on what happened, but they changed a lot of the details. They've upset a lot of members of the Showtime Lakers, people like Kareem, Abdul-Jabbar, Jerry West, uh, Magic Johnson apparently won't even watch the show because he doesn't believe they can do it justice. But uh, I think you'll enjoy this episode. It's just two friends talking about um, one of the greatest eras in history, particularly with basketball, and just a really fun time. If you're an 80s baby or if you are on the wrong side of 30, I think you might enjoy this episode. Uh, but I think anyone will enjoy it. So uh, be sure to check out the show on HBO Max or HBO, whatever subscription you have. It's a lot of fun. And if you particularly like you know, that era, the fashion, the style, you know, uh, the cinematography is also really cool. A lot of vintage looks. But uh, without further ado, we'll get right into the episode. I hope you enjoyed, and please be sure to check out John's podcast, Knowledge Brews Supreme, as well. Enjoy the episode. Peace. Welcome back to Knowledge Brews Supreme, the show that percolates your creativity. And on today's episode, I want to talk about HBO's smash TV hit, Winning Time, which recently concluded its first season. And if you've been living under a rock, um, you know, here's a quick backstory. Winning Time is the dramatic telling of the 1979-1980s Los Angeles Lakers season. And this is a really important season because it's the season where their owner, Jack Cook, sold the team to Dr. Jerry Buss. And this is also the same season where the Lakers, uh, with their first draft pick, took an oversized point guard out of Michigan State. Maybe you've heard of him, uh, Irvin Magic Johnson. Yeah, maybe one of the five best players of all time. Uh, and this was fresh off his win over Indiana State and Larry Bird in the national championship game. Uh, and Bird obviously goes on to the Celtics. The Lakers that season finished with a 60-22 and 22 record. They won the 1979-1980 title. Sorry for the spoiler alert. Uh, they beat the Philadelphia. Philadelphia 76ers 4-2, even though they lost their head coach during the middle of the season, or or I think it was even closer to the beginning of the season, Jack McKinney was on a bike ride, took a horrific spill, uh, and completely, you know, derailed his ability to coach the team, but they, you know, were able to persevere uh, with Paul Westhead and uh, Pat Riley filling in. 
And so this season, the first season of the show, Winning Time, is roughly based off of the first 100 pages or so of a book written by Jeff Perlman, who was a former guest of my show. That book is called Showtime. It is an awesome book. I'm currently rereading that book. Uh, it chronicles the entirety of the Showtime Lakers. So we're talking Magic getting drafted to about the time when Magic uh, reveals that he has HIV. Um, winning Time is locked in for another season and is not without controversy, which is what we're going to have to talk about in this episode. So today, we're going to talk about all things Winning Time, but I can't do it on my own. I am bringing in the big guns, literally. Uh, this man has 24-inch pythons that would make even Hulk Hogan blush. My guest today is the one, the only, his second time on the show, BJ Gador from the Daily BJ uh, from DailyBJ.com and also the Get Some Gains podcast. He's also my fitness coach and a life guru. He's a huge Lakers fan, and uh, you know he's just I, I've got to have him on the show to talk about the show. We both watched it. We're both we both have a lot to say about it. Uh, and in fact, we're going to simulcast this episode on my show and on his. So. Please be sure to check this out here or his show. Obviously, if you're listening, you're, you're in one of these two places. So welcome back to the show, BJ. How are you doing today, my friend? Dude, I'm great. Fantastic intro, man. Episode 28. Uh, I remember sure. early on, I was like, dude, you got to get past episode 20. And then if you can hit 100 episodes, I believe great things will happen for you. And you're well on your way. So it's great to see it. And what's so funny is yesterday, I was in the library. Yes, uh, the Gorilla Corn himself. In, in a library, uh, writing the intro to my new book, uh, the Eho Movement, and it was, it was actually funny because part of the intro is the, the book itself and the concept for the book was born in 2020 during the pandemic. And one of the last normal days that I can remember was March 6, 2020, when the Lakers hosted the Milwaukee Bucks, and LeBron James posted like 37 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. They won 113 to 103 to the up and coming at the time, Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis. And uh, one of my friends was a pro ball player in Europe and he got like VIP tickets. We went to the back and met some of the Bucks family. And uh, it was just, dude, it was just like an amazing day. But while we were waiting, uh, we had dinner before the game, we were starting to talk like there were whispers of like this crazy virus going around and our waitress overheard like we we're like should we even go to this game like this game could be like you know you, the last thing you want to do with this virus is get into a arena closed doors and the waitress is like oh don't worry about it this is just like the flu which which you know is the common cold and uh i wish she was right man because um five days later it looked like it was a, a super spreader event that like half of southern california Right. got COVID from, and then they suspend the NBA season. But what was so great about uh, that, that whole thing is they suspended the season. They went to the bubble playoffs and the Lakers managed to win it all in the Orlando bubble. So it was right. just, none of us knew what was going to happen. And I just, that date, I'll never forget because it was like the last time I hadn't seen like for about a year plus, that was the last time my wife and I were with other people. Oh, wow. Wow. Because, you know, we live, we don't have any family or close friends where we live because uh, we're not, we live where we're not from. Sure. And, uh, but it, it ties back into the Lakers, man. And uh, unfortunately, the next two seasons didn't go as well. No, it's been a rough, 
it's been a rough outing for Lakers fans. How, how would you describe your, your current feeling or mood about the team? You know what? Um, part of what I talked about in the intro is again, I'm, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and people would, would thought I would have been a Bucks fan, sure. but I wasn't because the goat MJ was 90 minutes South and uh, <laughs> I was a huge MJ fan. Uh, and then I lost connection with the game when he retired, but then it was uh, like the meteoric rise of straight out of high school superstar LeBron James that got me back into basketball. And then I was a fan. Uh, I followed him in Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland. And then I moved to Southern California, uh, realizing a lifelong dream with my wife in May of 2018, literally, uh, wow, four years ago, man. And wow. um, then a couple months later, LeBron came over in free agency. And I was like, this is the perfect fit. And what I always loved about the Lakers franchise you know, uh, much like myself, and I guess this is delusions of brand or uh, Midwest roots, and then went west yes. to try to elevate themselves, and uh, and did. They became Showtime, and they, you know, uh, their their one ring. Well, they tied the Celtics now, right? They're we're, they're both at, or they're one behind. I believe they're one behind. I okay. think I think the Celtics aren't they seventeen or eighteen? The Lakers are sixteen or seventeen, something like that. I'm gonna. I think, eight, I think eighteen. Let's look it up. Yeah. Let's, let's use, let's use the interweb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got time. Okay. So this is, this is 17 Celtics. I think you're right. Oh, this is, oh, that's by players, not by team. Sorry. That was a weird NBA finals, most NBA championships. Yeah. It's 17 by the Celtics and 17 by the Lakers. They are tied. Right. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. 18 is going to be, uh, 18 is going to be the number and the Celtics were looking like they were going to be on their way this year, at least getting to the finals, but uh, sure. we'll see what happens. The Bucs are tough, man. Yes. Yeah. As we're recording this right now, the Bucs took the three, two lead. Maybe before that game, you would think the Celtics would be in a better chance to win number 18. But right now with Giannis playing the way he is, who knows? It may be a while uh, for both teams to get 18 because he seems to be running things right now. Yeah, man, he's just he's he's that long, lean Shaquille O'Neal. Yes, yes, and it's another all-time Laker. Yeah, yes, probably my. I am not a fan of the Lakers personally, um, but my so my basketball sort of experience growing up was I love Michael Jordan playing. You know, I was a kid watching Michael Jordan grow up. Love Space Jam. Love the Bulls. Um, you know, and then Jordan retires, and I had no idea who to root for. We didn't have a team in Oklahoma City yet. No Thunder. So I really found myself drawn to the 2000-ish Lakers because I loved watching Shaquille O'Neal, absolutely the most dominant player at the time. And I still was able to kind of root for the MJ Bulls teams a little bit by rooting for Phil Jackson. Um, you know, at the time, it was a lot easier to root for Phil Jackson in the 2000s. Now, not so much. But um, that team was kind of really that the early 2000s Lakers was really cool for me because it helped me stay involved with the league when Jordan was gone, uh, when it kind of seemed like who knows where this league could go once the best player is gone. Now it just seems like it's in such great shape and, and you know, a um, lot, of, lot of great things going on in the league. Oh, they have so many young superstars, man. I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. really, uh, the game is so competitive. Everyone can shoot. You know, every position can shoot the ball. It's, it's almost positionless. So, yeah, it's, it's, yes. it's, it's interesting to watch. And I, I still think, um, you know, Shaq is still the most dominant player of all time. And, and uh, he luckily had a, he had a kryptonite. So, like, like a true superhero at the free throw line. But uh, when, when that dude was locked in, when he was in shape, 
and you know they would they would only call like 25 percent of the fouls on him because he was yeah. so big and strong yeah uh, man it just I, I think the lakers just have such um a, a unique tradition and history and uh particularly what the show outlines is the birth of that yes and the, you know, the original laker uh well i guess you can see the original laker was jerry west but magic johnson um may have been the most nba ready player of all time like only a couple of years removed from high school coming in um you know dominating that that season leading them to a championship especially in that final game when kareem got hurt yeah and he dropped like that what was an all-time game like with like uh all-time game i think the stats yeah it's 42 i think he went 42 magic game six finals that's i, I google that was the the first thing that popped up was i put magic game six and it immediately knew what i was talking about 42 points 15 rebounds. Not sure why it doesn't cover the assists because I'm sure he got quite a few there. But um, he had like seven or eight assists. I know, I know it was it was significant. Yes, yes. But he went off and played in a position he wasn't even used to. So it, it's just incredible, incredible game. So talk to me about how, where you want to start talking about this show. This show has been a lot of fun. I, we, I watched it every Sunday night when it when it premiered. Yes, I had, I had high hopes because unlike you, I'm that moron who would rather watch. The, the 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 series than read the book um, <laughs> but you know uh there's been obviously a lot of controversy in terms of what's actually true sure, uh, sure. a lot of really some strange creative liberties but uh wh where do we start man well so let's start with i think we both can agree that we like this show a lot like you i was hooked like i had to watch this show on sunday night it's not like one of those shows i can kind of wait the next day um i really wanted to see it as live as possible um, so what it is, and we're going to get into the controversies, but what is it about this show um, that you enjoyed so much? I mean, was it just a show about the Lakers or was there a particular aspect of the storytelling you enjoyed? What about winning yeah, time so, was so enjoyable? Uh, I was born in E2, so this is this is before my time, but I'm also, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm an 80s baby, but the, the, that era was was special, man. Like, you know, I have a fashion line and part of what we, we sell are these short shorts, which like were part of the style around that time and really the style like the way uh, john c Riley is dressing as jerry Buss, like you know the open shirt the short shorts his balls hanging out um and i really love the cinematography that they, they incorporate a lot of vintage looks and uh frame by frame that they were changing the look and the filter associated with it yes and it's just it's it's one of those times like i almost feel like that that it wasn't my era, but it, I, I, I feel like I would have fit naturally into that era. And it was also, it's it, the modern NBA was born. Like the NBA yes. was, was losing money and it was magic and bird, this rivalry, um, which, which was obviously very racial in nature that uh, kind of brought America, it became must-see TV. And then obviously what Jack McKinney created and what Pat Riley took not took, but, you know, built upon, um, of course, it would depend on you talk to about that, <laughs> right. um, was this fast-breaking, uh, creative, like, jazz-like style of play that uh, was just captivating. Yes, yes. And Jerry Buss was, like, the Hugh Hefner of the NBA. Yes, yes. So all of these, just all of these great characters com coming together at one time, uh, you know, if, you're if you take away any of the pieces, you know, from this, you know, from this collection of of characters and people. I mean, I just don't think we would have the same story, the same Showtime experience. And I, I, I completely agree with you about the cinematography aspect. I love how there were moments where 
visually it felt like they were pulling you back into that era it's almost like you could close your eyes or or, or really just imagine yourself being there in 1979 1980s los angeles um and i so i, I love the show for a lot all those reasons but also i was i really like the show because it lived at least for me personally lived up to the hype like I heard about this show when it was in its early developmental stages and kind of thought, okay, you know, that'd be a really cool idea for a show. I, I'd, I'd read Perlman's book before and thought, that'd be great. It'd be great TV. And then I saw the first trailer and I was immediately hooked, you know, saw John C. Riley as, uh, as Dr. Jerry Buss, you know, uh, got to see Magic, got to see a little bit of Larry in the trailer. And I mean, I was just immediately hooked. And then the show comes out and it doesn't disappoint one bit. You know, maybe it's not my favorite HBO show that's ever aired, but it's a good show and it's really enjoyable. Uh, and I look forward to it every week and I'm already excited for, for um, you know, season two, which is, has been announced, which is great. I mean, look, it's super well done. We'll, we'll talk about the, what, what's true and what's not true in this, you know, again, part of what I said to you before we started recording, I just felt like instead of saying based on true facts, they should have sure. just said this is an alternate reality of the Showtime Lakers. And then maybe people wouldn't be so pissed, but also maybe people wouldn't be checking out the show if there wasn't as much controversy. So again, True. you know, I think in this era, people are so quick to criticize and it's okay to like a show, even if you don't like certain creative liberties they took or whatever yeah. else, uh, you know, not everything's going to be hundred percent. In fact, nothing will, but uh, the other aspect too, that is just so uh, great. I mean, what a cast. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, you got John C. Riley. I know you want to ask me about the whole Will Ferrell controversy. We'll talk on that. Jason Clark, Adrian Brody as uh, Pat Riley, which I, I I think it's a really interesting. Like I, I never would think of Pat Riley as this meek, right. depressed person. I don't know. Again, I don't know how much of that is true, but um, Adrian Brody is like a world class actor. Jason Siegel is is so funny, yes. and emotional in that character. And then also the like. Some people I never knew uh, that are just breakout stars like Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And uh, Quincy Isaiah has the Magic Johnson smile. They, they, they got the guy uh, to, to sh with that charisma that really, uh, like, you know, really pulls the show off and pulls the vibe out. Yes, I completely agree. The cast, I, yeah, exactly. I think we're going to be saying names like Quincy Isaiah and Solomon Hughes. Devon Nixon, the guy who played Norm Nixon. We're going to be seeing these guys again and again, not just in uh, in winning time. So that, that was pretty cool. He plays his father. Yes, that that is awesome. And then obviously Sally Fields. Um, oh yeah. Oh my God. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Just the cast is everything about it. Loaded cast. And it's almost like when you have a show where Sally Fields. I, I'm not saying she's an afterthought, but it's like you go down the list and you're like, oh crap, Sally Fields too. Like. That just shows you it's loaded. This is like, this cast reminds me of like the 2017 uh, Golden State Warriors. You just have so many all-stars on the team. There's no way this is not going to be a hit. It's just going to have to work out with so many big names, up and coming names as well. So the show has 10 episodes, a lot of great moments in the show, capturing that first season of, of, of Dr. Buss, Magic Johnson, Kareem all working together. Do you have any favorite moments of the show? Any moments that really resonated with you that you were like, oh yeah, this is like a moment I can't forget from the show or, or something you wanted to, you know, uh, you're going to look back on fondly? You know, I, I really enjoyed the Palm Springs episode. Now, this is where I live now. We bought a home here. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that was really cool to kind of see what Palm Springs uh, or like again, their interpretation of what the vibe was like uh, back in 79, 80. But um, that like the, the pool scene, uh, Jerry, Jerry Buss's style, uh, also the team, like, you know, there was this big, like, uh, they're, they're portraying it to be that Kareem and, and Magic were like, uh, you know, they were off. They, they you know, yeah. he's making him get orange juice and the orange juice just isn't right. And Magic can't figure out what's going on. And, and McKinney's offense is not really resonating and there's almost this mutiny. Um, so it was kind of cool to see their portrayal of what it was like, um, you know, because obviously you want to get into seeing the, the amazing uh, Magic Johnson no-look passes and all the good supporting uh, roles in Kareem Skyhook, but it looks like this almost didn't work out. Yes. They, you know, maybe McKinney was on a short leash. Um, and so that, that episode really stands out to me because uh, it was like, you know, because you and I know this as people who train regularly, man, it's all about the work you put in. Yes. Um, and the, and the off season or just that the day-to-day grind of, um, of what it takes to be in shape and to be an athlete. And, uh, you never, you never know what's going to happen in the preseason. Yeah. Oh yeah. And th- this show had, I mean, this team, I had a lot of, uh, you know, preseason expectations. They were coming off a good season. They were coming off a 50 plus win season. They changed coaches, they draft magic. So I think a lot of people maybe at that time were had, still had big expectations. This is a playoff team, but what are we going to get out of magic? Can he play point guard? Did they draft this guy to be point guard or is he going to get moved down into the post? And I think they even kind of argued about that in the episode you're referring to, like Nixon and uh, Magic kind of, you know, butting heads about who's going to get to play point guard. And, you know, uh, if it was up to Jerry West, I think if he was still the coach, Magic might have been the power forward, you know, because of his size and, and not really looking at his ability to see the court all around. Um, well, they even I, said, I'm sorry. Well, oh, even said, like, according to the show, Jerry West was like, don't draft Magic Johnson. Yes, yes. And, and that apparently is not true, at least from some, some sources. Um, and he may have been hesitant to put, because again, this was like a paradigm shifting thing, like putting someone uh-huh. that big at point guard, typically a, a six, one, six, two, six foot type player. Yes. Um, I mean, it, it changed the game forever. It made, it made, you could argue Magic Johnson paved the way for LeBron James. And Luca. I mean, and a Luka. lot of guys. Yeah. A lot sure. of point guards who maybe would have been overlooked otherwise. hundred percent. Yeah, so that's a really good episode. I really like, there were two scenes that I really like in the very beginning of the show when Dr. Buss is explaining kind of how his philosophy, he's like that swan that's always, you know, kind of gracefully moving above the water, but he's just churning away below the water. And I love that they came back to that in the last episode. And especially when things weren't looking that great for the team, they lost Kareem to injury. You know, Dr. Buss is probably still dealing with financial uncertainty about the team at that point. So kind of pulling it all back 360 from the start to the finish was really cool. Um, And I really liked that moment at the end of the season where they only sprinkled Larry Bird a little bit into this show because you can't talk about Magic and the Lakers without talking about Larry Bird. So, of course, he does make some appearances in the show, which we, we can debate about the accuracy of those appearances, too. But I love that moment where he sees Magic winning the title. And you know that pisses him off because the next scene we see Larry Bird, he's outside practicing the skyhook on this old dirt court that's, you know, I'm guessing somewhere in Indiana and French Lick, Indiana. French Lick. Yeah, the hit from French Lick. That's right. (laughs) 
Um, so, you know, that was really cool to see. And my last moment that I like, and I guess maybe it's some recency bias thinking about the last couple of episodes, but I love when Jack McKinney basically tells Paul Westhead, like, I'm going to kick your ass next season. I'm going to get another job and I'm going to come back and kick your ass. He does go on to become the Pacers head coach the next season. Uh, they actually do really well. He makes coach of the year the next year, um, but he's eventually loses the job three years later. Um, the team just doesn't ever live up to that kind of first season expectation. So those are, oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that. That, that whole injury is just like, and, but also to magic and Larry, I don't know if you know this, they're doing, uh, they're doing trophies now for the Eastern and Western conference uh, winners. Oh, so Western conference winner gets a magic Johnson trophy. And the Eastern conference winner gets a Larry bird trophy. So by the way, which is great because there's so many, so many amazing teams that won their conference, but then, like for example, all the teams that played the Michael Jordan Bulls. Yes, they're they're, they're all time teams, but they just ran into the ultimate juggernaut, a buzzsaw. Um, and so, I think that's a great way to honor the two guys that really built the modern NBA. And yes. uh, also, I, I know it's supposed to be it only matters if you win it all, apparently. But in some ways, you know, I, I think uh, if you win your conference, man, that's a special achievement. Yes. Yeah, I think. I think in sports, and this is a, I'm glad you brought that up because I think in sports, there's this hyper-focus on just winning, like win the title, that's it. But in basketball, and this happens in other sports too, but I think in basketball, there's so many other things to celebrate. Like, I love that the MVP award, for example, is a regular season award. I think there just has to be something to be said about having an amazing 82 game season. I think being able to win your conference championship yeah, maybe it's not the NBA championship, but it's really hard. Like the Thunder won at one time during my my entire history as a fan of their, you know, and it, it may never get back again. But so I think it's worth celebrating. I think you should hang a banner, get a trophy, whatever. You know, in, the, in baseball, we have the pennants. Those are a big deal. So why not conferences in basketball? I think that's awesome. 100%. And so what, what did you think about, again, they portrayed a bit differently in terms of, uh, you know, him being able to come like wanting to come back and like, cause apparently it wasn't even an option in real life. Like he, they, they, they knew that he was not going to be coming back. They didn't want him to. And they, yeah. and uh, didn't, it kind of ended in a sour way though. I think Jerry Buss tried to make up for it later. Um, but man, just uh, in the show, at least to be, to get through those initial stages with these superstar personalities, these big egos and personalities. And, um, and then all of a sudden, to be riding your bike one day, getting in a workout on your off day yes. and getting a serious brain damage. And like, and now your, your dream is shattered and your understudy takes over. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, unre- it's because it's, and it's, it's almost more fitting that it's Paul Westhead too. It's very Shakespearean almost. And Paul Westhead just constantly dropping those Shakespeare references. And I want to say too, that I, I was reading Perlman's book and I think Another kind of tragedy to all this is he normally would have had access to his car. His wife left to go run like an errand or something and took the car. So he's like, yeah, I'll take a bike. It's cool. I'm used to biking. You know, I'm, I'm trying to learn Los Angeles and bike around more. Um, and, you know, he just rolls out of the garage thinking it's just a normal day. Um, and I, I absolutely love, love the way that show built that moment up because I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming because I've read the book, studied the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, but it still shocked me to no end. Like 
because I think there was a couple times too, they kind of hinted at like he almost gets hit by a car and that's not what happened. He, his brakes went out. So you think like a couple times he gets in these almost like almost gets into an accident and you're like, okay, maybe are they going to kind of go a different way with this? Like, are they taking some liberties? No, they eventually build up to it. And it's just so tragic. I guess just knowing that whole story all around, knowing that he eventually got back into coaching, but which is never the same. You know, I, I, I think mentally he was, he was not able to recover, you know, getting his, getting his cognitive abilities back. You know, he got close, but never quite the same. And it, it is a bit of a tragedy. And Tracy Letts, who plays uh, Jack McKinney, man, he does an amazing job. Like he, he's just yes. a super, he's just a super intense actor. And um, he's also one of those actors too, that uh, is able to really portray a lot of emotion just with his face and body language. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, just, he, he brings a lot of intensity to it. And then the guy, um, I guess the guy's name is Sean Patrick Small. I've never seen this guy before who pl plays Larry Bird, but it's a really, it's a really good likeness. They really got the likeness, yes. I think, of Magic and Larry down. Yeah, I got the smile of Magic and they kind of got the gruff, you know, gruffness of Larry Bird. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that's the one thing. I mean, you, you got to get right. You got to get Magic smile right. If you're going to talk about Magic, you got to bring in Bird. So you got to get the right Bird. Um, so this is actually a kind of a good segue because this show, Showtime, or excuse me, Winning Time, extremely entertaining. I liked it a lot. However, I think this first season is going to be defined largely by three separate controversies that I would like to dive in. And what's really interesting is these controversies happened at different points of the show, kind of before, during, and maybe even a little after. So I'm going to present each of those controversies, and then I have some follow-up questions for you. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious about your responses. So let's start with casting. Overall, the show nailed it with casting. I mean, it, I, you know, I, I can pick very little nits about this show when it comes to casting. But one of the big controversies was the initial casting of Dr. Jerry Buss. John C. Riley was picked over Will Ferrell. Um, and, you know, Will Ferrell is really good friends, or was, excuse me, really good friends with Adam McKay, the producer of this show. Uh, those two work together on Talladega Nights. They work together on Anchorman, all of these wonderful, you know, projects, stepbrothers. Um, and Adam McKay passed over Will Ferrell for John C. Riley. And apparently, rumor and innuendo suggests this is what severed the relationship between Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. So we don't even know if these two will ever work together, which is a shame. So what I want to know is, thinking about this show, now that we've seen we've seen 10 episodes, what do you think the show would look like if it's Will Ferrell as Dr. Jerry Buss? Do you think it would be better, the same, or perhaps even worse? And I ask that because I'm slightly leaning towards worse, which is really weird to say out loud because I love Will Ferrell as an actor, but I just don't know if he would capture that essence of Dr. Buss the way that John C. Riley did. So I'm curious what you think. You know, uh, it's so funny, man. Actually, I think the words... Adam McKay, like in an article, basically said, he said, when he informed Will Ferrell he was picking John C. Riley over him, he's, uh, Will Ferrell apparently said, have a good life, and then hung up. Wow. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that, that's a direct quote. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but that was from the words of Adam McKay. And that made me really sad because those guys did such good work together and seemed like really good friends. And I felt really bad for Will Ferrell because he actually is a big Lakers fan. I, I would see him at a lot of the games courtside. Um, and I think Will Ferrell, I mean, by the way, I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan, huge. Uh, I, I think he's one, I think he's maybe 
he's got to be top three all-time SNL in my mind because he also he he was he he was able to just any scene, no matter how bad it was, he could just be funny. And I think that's also part of what may have made him not the right fit for this. He's just he's just so fucking funny. I think he yeah. suffers from like the Jim Carrey effect, where like he tried to go from like all the like from the mask and, and Ace Ventura, and then he did do some serious roles, but people never really saw him as that as that guy they saw him as the guy who would talk with his asshole you know um <laughs> yeah. i think will ferrell is just so like he's so gifted he's just so fucking funny at all times just even just like when he's just sitting there yeah like you yeah, because he's just he's got a, a smirk or just his body language or even again i don't mean this in a negative way even like his body he uses his body in a very uh comedic way uh at rest or even in his scene so i think Maybe the show could have been funnier with Will Ferrell. I don't know if it would have had the same dramatic effect as because I know I know John C. Riley more as like the stepbrothers John C. Riley and yeah. uh, the Talladega Knights John C. Riley, but uh, he I think he was able to maybe tap into more of the dramatic stuff, especially with like the passing of his mother. Um, yes. And again, I had no idea. Um, I, I, again, I knew the NBA was in bad shape at the time of this series, but I had no idea like how little money they had and how much they were losing and all the issue with the bank and the creditors. And uh, so <laughs> I, I think I'm with you, man. I think, I think maybe it ended up being a better pick. And I guess, I think he, he probably between the two, he probably looked more like Jerry Buss too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I would, there were times in the beginning that it was hard for me not to see John C. Riley as like stepbrothers John C. Riley, but as the show went on, I felt like he grew more and more into that character, and I just wonder if that same thing would have happened if Will Ferrell was there. I I, I feel like I would have just kept seeing Will Ferrell, and and that's not doesn't mean it would have been a bad show by any means, but it definitely would have had a different feel. Um, and it's so interesting, too, because shortly after this or before the show, or maybe it was around the same time, Will Ferrell actually put out a somewhat serious show, or actually it is a serious show, called uh, The Shrink Next Door. It's a fantastic Apple TV Plus show. And so it was, you know, but that whole time it was still, I kind of kept waiting for Will Ferrell to be Will Ferrell, like to be funny. And, and so I just wonder if I would have thought or kept expecting that on this show if he was there. So I, I agree with you. I think they made the right move. And it kind of reminds me of the Lakers in the mid 2000s when they had to pick between Shaq and Kobe. Like, yeah, you can you can probably have a lot of success with Shaq, too. But maybe for the, the for the sake of the franchise, the history of the franchise, going with Kobe might have been the been the right move. I don't know. That might be debatable still to this day. But um, I think for the well, show's sake. Here's the thing. Uh, Kobe was younger and Kobe. Kobe did have a better work ethic. And Shaq yeah. would say that. Yeah. So you were betting on the right horse to run the race. Uh, but man, uh, there was, there was when Shaq during their three years, again, I, I still like, I would still follow the NBA and I was always a Shaq fan. I think the most dominant player of all time. And, and during that three year span, when they, when they did that, when they did their three peat with the Lakers, uh, man, Shaq was something else. Yeah. I mean, no one, no one could do anything if he was locked in and came in shape. You, it was just, it was his, it was his show. Yeah, he best. Yeah, I think he was for for you know a good chunk of time. He was the best player in the league, most dominant player, best player post Jordan. Uh, you know, for a while. Then we had LeBron, we have Tim Duncan, we have Kobe, guys like that. But man, Shaq was just so unreal uh, for the longest time.
Who would you take, Kobe Shaq or Jordan Pippen? Oh my God. I guess with the back of are we going two on two or are we going five <laughs> on five? I think, man, if I was, if I had to go two, if it's two on two, I would pick Shaq and Kobe just because I just don't know what, what, what could be, what could Pippen, I think Pippen could stifle Shaq for a while, but just the pure physical dominance would overcome. But if we're thinking about it more in terms the orientation of the full team game, I think Jordan and Pippen would find a way to win. I think their perimeter defense, maybe they would just let Shaq get his and they would shut everybody else down. So I don't know, maybe I'm biased because Jordan and Pippen were my first love in the NBA, but I think it would be a seven game series. It would be a dogfight, and it would be the best TV ever. So we are the winners in that case because we would be watching amazing basketball. Uh, but that's hard to pick. Who would you go with? It, it probably would have come down to the role players in a five yeah. by you know, a five on five. But yeah, like, being a, two on two, obviously, there's no like, who's going to guard Shaq in the post, right? Yeah. And, and you know, Jordan and Pippen had a decent outside shot, but they weren't they weren't Steph Curry three point shooters, right? Uh, and honestly, Kobe and Jordan is kind of a wash. Kobe basically memorized. Yeah. He's got the muscle memory of all Jordan's moves. Yes. Um, it's obvious, you know, Jordan, Jordan basically passed the mantle on to Kobe and their brotherhood and the mentorship. Um, but the, even so five on five, man, I, I think they could have done the hack a shack on him. Um, yeah. but the thing is, uh, with, with Kobe being an incredible perimeter defender himself and then Shaq being, I mean, some of the best block shots I've seen. Remember that, yes. that crazy comeback uh, win against the the Trailblazers? Yes, uh, 2000, I think. Yeah, and he, he threw he threw it back into the stance. <laughs> yeah, he was like, so right violent. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So I, I think, I mean, Shaq said, he said the best one-two duo of all time. Uh, I agree. I think, I think Kobe and Shaq presented uh, – too many nightmarish scenarios for anyone, including a Jordan and Pippen, because again, th those guys were more perimeter players. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how well they would have done with Shaq just sitting there waiting to eat the lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Shaq would have feasted. No doubt about it. He would have gotten 40 plus. Every and, and again, Bill Perdue, uh, Cartwright, <laughs> um, Luke Longley, Wennington, like those, those guys, yeah. uh, as Shaq said, barbecue chicken. <laughs> Yeah. They would have barbecue chicken down low. So, I mean, um, but, you know, uh, the, the Bulls got got six rings. So, yeah, yeah, six to three, you know, I, I who knows? It, it would be an amazing matchup. Knowing um, what Phil Jackson would think, I, that that's actually the guy we should be asking. But I know, right? He taught, he coached them both. I mean, good grief. He got to work with four of the top 10, 15 best players. I mean, that's incredible. 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 So, that yeah so that controversy around the show was really interesting the second one i wanted to bring up is about jerry west the logo jerry west went absolutely apeshit about this show he hated his depiction on this show played by jason clark um and and really we should have seen this coming as soon as episode two aired because we got to see kind of out of shape sweaty jerry west having sex shortly after winning his first NBA title. He was depicted as being quite cantankerous, especially when he was involved with the Lakers as a coach, then getting into the front office. 
Um, but this guy is the logo of the NBA still. Like he is still very relevant in the NBA. So what I want to know is from your opinion, do you think, I got a few questions for you. So we're going to unpack these one at a time, but do you think Jerry West should be pissed? Uh, two, it's been a while. If we were to update the NBA logo, who would you go with? And then third, if we're making a biopic about BJ Gador, who would you pick to play you in this biopic? Clearly, I, I don't think Jerry West picked Jason Clark. He didn't have a lot of input. So who would you go with? So let's unpack this one at a time. Should Jerry West be pissed? You know what? Uh, in a lot of ways, the portrayal of Jerry West is shameful. <laughs> you know, like, uh, because again, like, you know, it's one, and this is what I was saying, like, there are so many inconsistencies with the book and what happened in real life to what the show portrays. And, and I think the show makes the mistake of saying, and again, look, who am I? No one gives a shit about what, what uh, this, this trainer thinks. But when you say based on facts, you know damn well no one's going to go read the book. <laughs> right, now, they're going to assume. Some people, they're, they're just going to spend 10 hours watching. They'd rather spend 10 hours watching it than going back and reading the book. Some will read the book. Most will not. So they're going to take this interpretation of Jerry West with them. And this is a guy, like you said, he's the logo. He's one of the, uh, he's an all-time GM. He wasn't the best coach apparently, but, um, you know, and, and he, he was also the guy that like went through all those struggles against the Celtics yes. in the seventies. Um, they did, they didn't win against the Celtics the one time that Jerry West won, but uh, he did get a ring. And, but I mean, like when, when other people like Mitch Kupchak, who was a, another longtime Lakers front office executive um, said he never heard Jerry West curse in a professional setting. And then, and then all he does is say is yeah. drop F-bombs in the show. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes off like kind of crazy. And apparently uh, Jerry West has been open about some mental health struggles. So again, you know, it's, it, it's kind of a tough thing. And uh, I feel for him. I mean, he, he's talking about possibly willing to go to the Supreme Court to deal with the defamation of this. Right. And now it's kind of season one's done. So they can't like pivot and, and turn Jerry West into like a different guy now. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's baked in the cake. So I, I don't know what they do. Um, it's really interesting, but if I was him, yeah, I, I would be really pissed. And I think, I do think it's border. It, it's not borderline. It's, 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 it's like defamation and slander for sure, because uh, you got to also just consider the fact that no one is going to really do the research or take into account, like to figure out, I think a lot of people, I came in hoping this was going to be my education right? of what it was like before I was born. And uh, I had to do all this extra work. I'd have to read, I'd have to read all the silver screen and roll articles about like what was true, what wasn't after every episode. I think it made for great controversy and uh, some sensationalism for the show. But uh, man, if, uh, what, how would you feel if you were Jerry West? Yeah, I think, I think I'd be pretty upset too. I think it just portrays him as having a lot of anger issues. Now, I, I, I have, I don't know to the fullest extent because I haven't read it yet, but I heard that this, the show also used to some extent, used his own autobiography to write some of his parts. But again, I don't know to what extent they took liberties from that expanded upon it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I think I would be upset by Jerry West. I'm not sure it's going to quite reach the level of getting to the Supreme court. But I think maybe, maybe it, I don't know, maybe it scares or at least kind of puts the show writers in a mindset of, okay, is there anything we can do in season two to kind of 
I don't know, try to remedy this. I don't know. Can they, because Jerry West continues to be involved with the Lakers in basketball. So maybe there's a chance to kind of, I don't know, maybe redeem his character a little bit. I, I'm not sure what that'll be something to, to look forward to in the next season. But um, yeah, I, I can definitely see why he's upset. It's not a very flattering look for Jerry West. Um, but I also think this time, this time period, you know, is not a very flattering time for the NBA. So I don't know. I, I, I definitely didn't just, it didn't take away from the overall product for me. In fact, it made me more interested and it makes me actually just want to go read more about Jerry West. So I don't know, maybe that's a good thing for, for Jerry West, but um, I could definitely see why he would be pissed off. Definitely could see that. So, um, well, you know, and that's uh, part of the thing too. Again, it's how, because it's, it, it's presented as a, a documentary drama, right? Um, people are, are taking it seriously. And, you know, um, I don't know, man, it, it's, I mean, another example, uh, Gary Vitti, who was like one of like longtime athletic trainer on the team, he was a consultant on the show. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and he left because of the Jerry West portrayal. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so apparently it's, it's, I guess it's, it's more than just like a couple liberties. It's kind of egregious, you know, sure. but um, and he's, he's also older now he's up, he's of the age where legacy is, you know, legacy is important yeah. to people as they get older. And so, um, again, I, I think, and it's so fascinating too, because they, I don't know how much effort they took to bring in these, these characters, because all that I've seen is like all like magic Johnson said, I won't even watch it. He, he made sure to get out his own documentary. They call me yes. magic on Apple TV, which was also very good. Um, cause I think, you know, people like, oh, I got to make sure I, I tell my story before they, right. they do this. Because they do position Magic Johnson as kind of, you know, uh, a one-dimensional kind of playboy in the show. Um, but, you know, still with all the charisma and everything else, at least in this first season. But uh, also, the, I know the Lakers internally are like having their own documentary coming out too, because again, they were really worried about the portrayal. And obviously, based on what you're seeing, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it helps or hurts the brand or the Lakers franchise, um, but it also, if anything, it does crystallize them as the Hollywood Showtime franchise, yes. you know? Yes, exactly, exactly. A Hollywood production of the most Hollywood team ever. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty interesting point. Um, well, I know, dude, I, I would have loved to, been, to, to maybe just spend one night at the Forum Club. <laughs> I, I don't oh, my drink. God. I take edibles, uh, but I, I don't drink, but, um, you know, it would have been interesting just, I, just to be a fly in the wall in the forum club one night would be amazing. Cause again, that, that's, huh. I don't think they'll ever, uh, also the Laker girls at the time. I mean, just that, that mix, they, I don't think they could, they could do it in today's modern age because I think we're, we're past the, uh, sure. you know, the, that, that, that level of sexuality and excess, <laughs> and feminism, but man, it looked like a really fun time. I mean, imagine the number of celebrities, players, I mean, just people who came through there. I mean, if you just walked in one day, who knows who you're going to see or bump into. It's, it had to be incredible. For sure. Um, I know you are a big fan of the Lakers and LeBron. If you were choosing a new NBA logo, like if we were getting rid of Jerry West and updating the logo, would you would you go with LeBron or would you pick another player? Um, I, I think, I, I guess, so when you think of the NBA – I guess in its, in its full collective, I, I think Jordan's name is always at the top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just in terms of, again, you got to look at like what uh, Magic and Larry saved the NBA. Jordan made, made it what it is today. And it's, 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 it's never been 
the same since Jordan, I think in a positive way, like in terms of what, you know, the, the, the endorsements athletes can get uh, now players are becoming owners and, and getting, getting a little more in on the action. Obviously it's not even close in terms of enough uh, black representation in front office or ownership or even coaching. But um, I don't know, Jordan uh, also, I mean, I don't, first of all, they never could because the, the Jumpman logo is owned by Nike. Right. So I, yeah. I guess that maybe that's one, maybe that's a non-starter unless they make a, a, a lifetime deal with Nike to be with, with the NBA, which might, might make a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the other argument then is going to be Kobe because Kobe uh, obviously that, you know, it's almost like a martyrdom in some sense, that tragic death again, right. Be right before the pandemic. I'll never forget it, man. It was like I, I, Sunday. It was a Sunday uh, in January, uh, I think mid to late January. And I was out there in my garden of gains making the next workout of the week at the last minute. <laughs> oh no. And uh, while right, right, as, right as I finished, I looked at the phone and I, and I, I saw the update that Kobe Bryant had died in a helicopter crash. And uh, it, I, I, the energy in the air was different the rest of the day. Sure. Um, and that, little do we know that was, it was like a Murphy's law, like sneak preview, what was to come for the next two years. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I guess I wouldn't see that happen were some of the, uh, you know, the, the allegations and, and the criminal issues that sure. he had to face. I don't know if they would deal with that, but um, he's another guy to really look at. Um, people might talk about Bill Russell just facing the championships. Yeah. That'd be a good pick. Again, I just don't, I think when I think of the NBA, the first name that comes to mind or the image is, is the Jordan Jumpman logo. So, and that also might be a nature of my, you know, my unique age as an elder millennial and a, and a huge MJ fan though. Again, like I will say people, this drives people crazy, but this, the story is still out to me on the goat debate. Like mm. if Ron is able to pass Kareem and maybe be competitive or win another championship, I, I Jordan's peak, I think was never, is, is never in question. Sure. But the longevity, the longevity piece for me, and this might be because you know I'm all about longevity and the way I train and, and what I try to do for people. Uh, I find a lot of motivation. What LeBron is still able to do uh, uh, yeah. to be 38 years old and, and almost the leading scorer this year. He he may he <laughs> could have been uh, without the injuries. Yeah, it was uh, down to like the last day of the season. I mean, it, it, yeah. And that, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a good look that they were just eliminated from the playoffs and he comes right. in and drops 50, you know, but right. uh, scoring title. But I almost wish he did because uh, it means a lot to people on the wrong side of 30 to see that, you know, yeah, you got to do a lot of extra stuff. And, and if you're, but if your mind game, if you elevate your mind game and you focus on your craft, you can still do big things as you get older. Sure. Yeah. No, very inspiring. I, 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 I am not a LeBron fan in the sense that I root for him openly or root for the Lakers, but I am so impressed that he continues to be LeBron, even 19 years into his career. He's, you know, he's in his late thirties and he's still one of the most dominant players. It is, it is truly inspiring. Um, and, and where, you know, his career is not even over yet. So who knows? Um, so we've kind of touched around this a little bit, but I really want to dive into it now. The last kind of set of controversies I want to look at is, the fact that the show clearly took liberties with certain events as they unfolded uh, for that particular season of the Lakers. So a few that jumped to mind, you know, right away, and this, this is not an exhaustive list, but for example, game six of the 79 finals was on tape delay. 
most of the most of America, LA and Philadelphia included, and even Lansing, Michigan, where we see Magic Johnson's family watching live, that didn't happen. That was on tape delay. Maybe they watched it later that night or the next day, but they didn't watch it live. Uh, the finals MVP trophy being usurped from Kareem by Magic, I'm pretty sure the way it went down, that didn't happen. Uh, Jeannie Buss was not nearly as involved in the Lakers as she appears to be in the show. I, I want to say that's a few years down the line. Um, I love Wood Harris, who played Spencer Haywood. Um, but he, I, I've known him from The Wire, from uh, Remember the Titans. But I thought it was kind of strange that they depicted him as the power forward because in real life, he's probably not that tall. And so they had to make it look that way. Uh, but in real life, he really did want to cut Paul Westhead's brakes and have him ran off the road. He legitimately planned that. I don't think they talked about that specifically in the show, but they definitely talked about wanting to hurt Paul Westhead. So I felt like they might've been able to go a little deeper on that, but I don't know, that's pretty dark. And for a show about the eighties, it sounds weird to say this, but I don't think there was enough cocaine. Like there was a couple scenes of cocaine, but like, this is the eighties, man. Everybody was doing it. Maybe besides like magic and Kareem, but like, come on, man. Uh, and then lastly, I think, you know, magic, um, they have this moment where, he, you know, he's, he has this tough moment with his on again, off again, girlfriend cookie. And she's upset because supposedly he impregnated his, her best friend. Well, he did have children out of wedlock, but I'm pretty sure he didn't impregnate Cookie's best friend. So they took a little bit of liberties with that one. So that's not an exhaustive list. There are probably more, but, and I think you've already addressed this to some extent, but are you in any way bothered by the show taking liberties with this, you know, kind of with this show or does it change any way how you view the show? You know, look, uh, we, we don't make shows for a reason. I don't know if it's a lack of talent or desire, but um, you know, we, we enjoy the content. And I, I just felt like it, it did unnecessary damage uh, in terms of credibility to the series. Like, oh, sure. why change some of these facts? Like, um, it, it, it was, it's already, uh, you read the book. The book was entertaining, am I right? Right, very entertaining. You yes. watch the highlights, we see these teams, these legendary teams, these legendary players. I would have personally, excuse me, I would have personally loved to just see it told as is, um, or, or then, then really go out of the way, like I said, to present this as an alternate reality. Like, uh, we'll take the same characters, but maybe this is an alternate universe where maybe this could have happened instead. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, but like, uh, I, guess, I guess it's kind of fringy, that show Fringe, where they would like bounce between different, um, again, like, if you took that angle, I think you'd get rid of all of the issues that I have with the show. The only thing I don't like about the show is that it confused me because I don't know what's true and what's not. Sure. And, um, and again, if I was a personality or a, a character in this, I would, I would feel a type of way if they portrayed me inaccurately or, you know, didn't tell the events properly. And um, so I, I felt like it was like stepping on an unnecessary landmine. I, I don't think they needed to create controversy for people to watch the show. Cause I think they had, they had all the star power and they already had a perfect script that was based on reality. Um, so I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who decided to make ultimately those changes, but um, that's, that's the only negative to the show in my mind is that like, if you watch it, you have to do due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I mean, I almost have to go back and read the book because I, I mean, you know, you know how this works, your mind, you're going to remember, uh, it's going to, 
it gets twisted in your memory. So um, I don't know, man. It's uh, I, I, I don't think it added it all to the show. Like, I, I think honestly, I think it was a better it would have been better in the show to say that he was trying to get Paul Westhead's uh, breaks taken out versus oh, let's kill the Lakers. Yeah, 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 yeah. How are you going to kill the Lakers? Like, you know, because um, <laughs> right. because if it was truly personal with the coach, they should have kept it like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. They showed a little bit of animosity between the two. I think when when they were talked talked about benching Haywood, but um, yeah, I, I felt like the show could have maybe pressed a little more into that that dynamic. They're they're feuding, so. That's, and then they present Kareem as like having to deliver the news and as the deciding vote and like none of that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, I love seeing, you know, Wood Harris and all, but I just thought that whole kind of arc could have been handled a little bit differently and probably a number of different kind of character arcs perhaps. So um, let you mentioned earlier, you said, we're not, we're not show writers, we're not executives, but let's put our executive hats on for just a moment. So if, if the execs at HBO came to you and said, Hey, we want to make a spinoff of Winning Time because this show is so successful. We want to pick a different iteration of the Los Angeles Lakers, maybe a different year or a collection of years. What team would you choose? Would you go with, would you go with a specific LA Lakers team or would you want to write about somebody else? Uh, well, I, I think if you're going with the Lakers still, you've got to go with the Kobe and Shaq. Again, there, there was that. Uh, it, it, was, it was always a a tenuous relationship uh, made fine by winning. But when there were cracks in the foundation, uh, that's when obviously the relationship went south. And as we talked about earlier, uh, they, you know, Kobe made them, made them choose. Yeah. And uh, they made the choice with Kobe and, and then Shaq goes and wins a, a ring with the heat, but uh, that was it. And, uh, and Kobe ended up uh, bringing them a couple more championships. So th that, that era, especially now that it would be, uh, I believe the word is post posthumous. Yeah, posthumous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think now that's even more compelling, right? Because sure. you know, so I think that's the the natural pick. I don't think any other Lakers group, uh, the current one, no one would want to see. <laughs> I, I think the bubble is a special experience, but just based on what's happened the last two years, um, no one would want to really see that. Um, it's been kind of depressing. The only other team that I can think of that is as compelling. Uh, and we already kind of got that with the last dance. Yeah, the bowl. I mean, there's big, yeah. big controversy on that. Uh, sure. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, Jordan kind of being the showrunner. And obviously, you know how Pippen feels about the portrayal. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's tragic, man. It's like you guys you guys do these amazing things and you can't even talk to each other. Oh, I know. It's unreal. The book, I, I read the Pippen book this earlier this year. And uh, it's just so sad to hear about maybe the best, one of the two best one-two combinations in all the NBA. And, you know, they're not even on the same page anymore. But. Maybe, you know, maybe that'll change. Who knows? That's um, one thing to say about Kobe and Shaq is they were able to at least mend that up. Yes, yes. Before Kobe's untimely passing. But uh, it looks like with Pippen and Jordan, the resentment is just going to get deeper and deeper. Yeah, unfortunately. that's that, And nobody wins in that situation. That, that sucks. So um, I think if I was picking a specific team, I would pick the 2003-2004 Los Angeles Lakers um, because this is the year they lost in the finals to the Detroit Pistons. This is the last year they had Shaq and Kobe together. And they also had an aging Carl Malone and Gary Payton who were off chasing rings. This is also the same year you have Kobe who's dealing with his sexual assault trial in Colorado. So as far as like drama goes, 
I, I mean, every single episode would just be smattered in drama. I mean, good grief. Like it would just be uh, probably cringy at times, the level of drama, but I, I just think it would be must, must watch TV uh, just oh, like when that Lakers team was playing. Oh, for sure. Do you think about it? They, they, uh, cause you know, they fell short a couple times yeah. before their three P and then they finally, you know, crossed over and made it happen. And then, so it's a full arc. It's, there's the rise, there's the, the dynasty, a definite dynasty for sure. And then there's all the stuff you just talked about at the end of that. So that, we're talking about a five, six season series. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they could, they could, uh, you know, truncate that as needed, but, um, and, and you mentioned too that that superstar team at the end, like of all the Hall of Famers, yeah. much, much a mirror of what happened this past season with LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, like five, five guys. I mean, technically that, that, that could have been a starting lineup. It wasn't, but five future Hall of Famers and uh, they weren't even anywhere close to 500 no. with injuries and a lot of internal controversy, but um yeah, man, it's uh, it's something else, and that that is a special time too. But uh, again, yeah. there wasn't there was nothing sexy about that period of time. Like the turn of the century wasn't sexy at all. It was it was just, <laughs> you know, like, what do you have? The dot com bubble, the Y two K. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, it's like the last time before, like when a college education mattered. Yeah, before you did, yeah, good job, and and everything kind of went to shit <laughs> after nine eleven. Really, yeah, yeah, pre nine eleven. Yeah, totally different world. Yeah, that's an interesting point, thinking about the, the contrasting times. Uh, so we're going to start wrapping things up. I, I do have a couple more questions for you. My first one is, this is a great show. So as we're wrapping things up, and I want to know, in your opinion, BJ, who do you think won season one of Winning Time? Like, who is the, the actor or character that you feel like is the most memorable for this show? Well, you know, I think it's a... It's a close call, but well, you know, wow. John C. Riley impressed me a lot. Like I, I didn't know he had the range he demonstrated in this. Um, and it was so funny too, is like he's got similar hair to Jerry Buss. Like, you yeah. know, they, they have to they gotta take liberties. Look, we're we're all gonna lose our hair. Okay. So it's <laughs> it's not meant in a derogatory way, but uh, you know, just I think there was a uh a certain like carnival barker entrepreneurial uh edge that he brought that I, I wasn't expecting. Again, I was initially upset that Will Ferrell wasn't going to be part of this. And then uh, John C. Riley kind of proved me wrong. But again, you also, I have to give like two break, breakout performances and uh, Quincy Isaiah and Solomon Hughes, uh, respectively playing Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, you know, I, I think that relationship and that dynamic was fun to watch. And uh, I think it was an appropriate size difference. Yes. And uh, one of my favorite shots actually that they would show is like, it would just be like a shot of the mountains. Uh, I don't know where exactly it was, but like, it looked like it could have been in the Valley, but anyway, um, and all of a sudden Kareem appears in a warrior pose. Yes. You know, so tall. And um, yeah, I, I think again, the fact that he's also, he was, he's a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, he, he stepped into this and I don't know how, Obviously, Kareem, is, Kareem was also super pissed about this series, and he says he was a former – he was a fan of Adam McKay, and, and, and he hates this. He thinks everything's one-dimensional in terms of the characters and uh, not an accurate representation of what happened. Um, so uh, the fact that this guy was able to do this without, you know, support from Kareem, and I don't I – don't, Magic apparently didn't want anything to do with this, so Quincy Isaiah had to – these guys had to basically pull it out of their ass. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. And they did exactly. a great job. So I, I think it's, it's a battle between those three. And if you ask me which, which one person, I don't know. I think you take, you take either one of those guys out of the show and it's not the same show. Exactly. I completely agree. I, when I had Jeff Perlman on a few weeks ago, I was really leaning towards Solomon Hughes playing Kareem. Um, but I think after watching the series as a whole, I am going to have to go with John C. Riley just because when that show started, all I could see was John C. Riley. Like I couldn't get out of my mind that this is the guy from Step Brothers. But by the time it was over by season or episode 10, excuse me, I thought, oh my God, I'm literally watching Jerry Butts. Like his mannerisms, the clothing, the attitude, the style, everything about it was just, I don't know. It just, it, it brought me into that era and felt like almost like I was watching a documentary. So I love Solomon Hughes. I love Isaiah playing magic. It's great. Um, but if I had to pick one, and it's very hard to do. I think I'd go with John C. Riley. Um, so we know season two is coming out. It's set. What do you want to see in season two? Is there anything, you know, any, any expectations or anything you are kind of hoping to see in this season? Well, you know, I guess it depends on, I don't know what type of time frame they're going to be using. Like this, I, is, this is one season. Yes. Uh, and again, the Lakers, they, they, they won five championships, right, in, in that block of time, but they didn't win it every year. So I don't know how sure. they're going to – I'm really curious how they go about, uh, like, what, what seasons are they going to cover? Are they going to cover multiple seasons of playing in one television season? They, so I, I, they might have to, right, because, yeah. I, you know, this, this could – I don't know. I don't know how titillating it will remain, right. but uh, I mean, we haven't even seen James Worthy yet. I know, you know, like, oh my God, thinking about another, that, oh. another all timer um, who doesn't get his due. Um, and by the way, one of my favorite, because uh, I watched, I watched every Lakers game on Spectrum, uh, yeah, yeah. even when it's on national TV, unless it, it's like blacked out. But um, he does, he has such a great voice, and uh, he does such a good job uh, with with that cast that that you know that did the Lake Show. And um, so I, I don't know. I, I think, especially since they haven't even played Larry Bird yet in the finals, yeah. maybe season two is just like, they're only going to show the Celtics and Lakers uh, seasons. Oh, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my and God. Instead, that... of, instead of drawing it out, like out of control. Cause I, honestly, in my mind, this is a three season series. Ooh. Make season two all about Celtics Lakers season three, all about the HIV announcements and, oh, wow. uh, you know, and then post the post showtime era, like what sure. that looked like. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this is a show that maybe you want to get out a season early rather than a season late. And so like three seasons, and if you were able to cover that much ground in three seasons, could be really cool. Um, yeah, I, I actually like that idea a lot. And I really think they're probably going to have to do at least multiple seasons, Lakers seasons within a season of the TV show, just because so much stuff happens and, and to be able to cover that much ground will be really difficult. Um I don't have a lot of expectations, but I want to see more Pat Riley. I want to see Pat Riley become Pat Riley. Like right now we see kind of, we see some of the breadcrumbs are being dropped, but I can't wait for that moment when Pat Riley slicks his hair back. And you know, that's like, this is showtime. This is the Pat Riley I'm expecting. So that I think is going to be really fun to see how they play out the drama between Riley taking over Paul Westhead eventually getting fired. There's some really interesting stuff that happens between winning the title 
Pat Riley taking over. I want to say it's two, it's one full season of the Lakers plus a partial season before they fire Paul Westhead. So that might be a big chunk of season two. And if so, I'm extremely excited. Yeah, because so, essentially they say Magic Johnson forces him out. Um, yes, yes. You know, I should have mentioned too, with that third season, you know, the that third season also is also going to have to incorporate the rise of Jordan and the yes. overtaking Jordan uh, on Larry and Magic. And I have no idea who they're going to get to play <laughs> Michael Jordan. And oh my I, god! All I know is, all I know is, uh, you know, it's. I don't know. I don't know if Michael Jordan. I don't think you can make Michael Jordan happy with the portrayal of him besides himself. So right. Um, maybe we'll that, get. That's what's going to be exciting too. Maybe we'll get. Uh, maybe they'll tr- they'll give Michael Jordan the um, oh the treatment they did in the Irishman where they where they made Robert De Niro look you know thirty years younger. They'll put Michael Jordan through the CGI machine. And he'll be back to 90s Michael Jordan all over again. Duncan from the free throw line. Who knows? Uh, you know, that would be great. Jordan, like, it looks like Jordan never wants to leave his house these days or the golf oh, course. No, not he's at so, all. He's so over all that, man. And I can only imagine uh, the last dance. Like, I never had an appreciation for what he went through and the grind of what, like, when I heard, like, the schedule, his summer schedule during Space Jam. yeah. It was like 10 hour film days, uh, then three hours of full court basketball with professional players, then lifting for two hours and then waking up at like four and doing it the whole summer. I'm like, oh, wow, this is what it means to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. It really puts things into perspective. Oh, my gosh. What a just what a machine. All right. Well, we are we are wrapping things up. I have truly loved talking about winning time with you, BJ. Remember, you know, going down memory lane about the NBA. Um, but I, what I'm curious, you know. We've got a while before winning time season two comes back. So right now, what are you, you know, what are you watching or reading or listening to these days, maybe to help get you through uh, until season two comes out? So I just, uh, my wife and I crushed uh, the final season of Ozarks. Oh, in a couple so good. Days. Oh man. You know, Jason Bateman is such a fucking legend. Oh my God. That guy, we're talking a child actor involved in every part of the game, never stopped working and just keeps getting better with age in every way, in my opinion. So um, would you say he's the LeBron James of acting? Man, I mean, he had the childhood expectations. He's lived up to those expectations. He's got the longevity like LeBron. And, and he was a showrunner for this show. He directed the first season, came back and directed the final. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he directed the first season, I think, just to make sure it was going to be a huge success. And then obviously right. the load of that took its toll. But um, I, I think Jason Bateman's in, in the conversation for, uh, you know, an, an all-timer in, in, the, in the film game. I mean, really, just like, wow. Uh, the number of roles he's taken on, uh, the longevity, uh, the decades that he spanned. Um, so he might be up there, man. And, uh, you know, I also... Uh, Book-wise, um, I was gifted two books recently from a mentor coach. One is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Uh, man, I, I really enjoy that. I would start the day, um, I've been dealing with some, some back issues. So I've been starting the day in the hot tub. And the first 30 minutes in the hot tub, I would, I would be reading that book and like filling my mind with positivity and hearing stories about what the obstacles people had to accomplish, like just to be alive 100 years ago. <laughs> or you know not not to mention centuries ago and really puts perspective into what our problems are and um also another book um called self-compassion 
which is which has been funny at times because like I'm reading it and it's like you know when you ever get down on yourself it's okay to give yourself a hug or give yourself a gentle caress and I'm like wow this is I never knew I'd be here because you know I, I've been open about some mental health struggles I've been having during the pandemic but sure. um, I've been benefiting from it too because really finding out that a lot of my problems are because I'm so self-critical and just uh have low self-esteem or give too much to self-esteem, mm. you know, versus uh, connecting to a common humanity and uh, just being okay with uh, the cards we've been dealt and knowing that, you know, I, I think that one, two punch, uh, I'm, I'm glad he sent that to me because that one, two punch has been helping me a lot. Uh, it gave, it really kind of gave me the motivation to start writing again. And, and uh, that's yesterday, literally yesterday, I, uh, the week before I did the table of contents and yesterday I, I wrote the intro and, Ooh. And uh, yeah, yeah, the Lakers are the, the Lakers were part of the intro because they're like, wow, this is so interesting how it all ties together. Oh my God. I'm so thrilled to hear about the book. Cause I know last time you were on the show, you were talking about your plans. You kind of had to pivot a little bit, but it sounds like now you're right back into it. Now I understand you have a plan to write multiple books. I listened to your, one of your podcasts recently. You were talking about, I'm not just dropping one. I'm going to drop several and really put some great shit out. So I'm happy to hear about the progress you're making there. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's, 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 you know, uh, I, you can make the mistake by trying to put everything into one. Sure. Um, sure. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all a process. If you can put one out a year, you should be able to put another out the next year. You know, if, if you, so we'll see, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I gotta get the first one out, but, um, dude, I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Um, you do an awesome job with this show, your preparation, oh, thank um, you. you know, sending a format and, uh, you're just, you are, I think you have a gift for this, man. It's really exciting to see your rise with this and just keep going, man. Do not stop. Uh, you bring a smile to it and you bring a lot of positive energy and I'm happy to support you in whatever way I can. Well, I appreciate it, BJ. Thank you so much for the support. And you're the inspiration, man. I mean, you told me when we met, when we did our last podcast, Hey, break the 20 mark, get past 25, shoot for a hundred. And that's my goal, you know, and I'm slowly but surely getting there every episode, I feel like I get a little bit better, uh, a little bit better at this. And so happy to be able to, you know, have you on today and, and talk about uh, one of my favorite shows of the year so far. Uh, you know, that's going to wrap up today's show. This, of course, makes episode 28 of Knowledge Brew Supreme. My goal, of course, is to reach 100 episodes. And that means I'm only 72 episodes away. Thank you, BJ, for joining me today. Please check out all of his wonderful works, thedailybj.com. He's got an amazing fitness podcast, uh, Get Some Gains podcast. I mean, this dude is putting out content every which way. You got to check it out. So uh, if you're listening, please share this episode with a friend or a loved one and be good, be safe, and peace out. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to stop recording. Athletic Greens. Nobody's greens are more athletic.
Yo, this is BJ Gador. Get my go-to greens powder with five free travel packs plus a one-year supply of vitamin D at athleticgreens.com slash BJ Gador. That's athleticgreens.com slash BJ Gador. You better drink your greens.